0: man wasn't feeling
1: very well. In fact, he'd been going on several weeks of just feeling very lethargic, lacking energy, lacking ambition, just being overwhelmed, and just feeling weak and tired and that need to nap. And it had nothing to do with daylight savings time. It just had everything to do with just not feeling right. And he wasn't the kind of guy who would go to the doctor. You know, maybe we got some like that in this room. You just avoid doctors at all costs. Well, it finally came to the point where his wife says, it is time to go to the doctor. I'm making the appointment for you. You have no choice in the matter. We need to have this checked out and figured out what's going on. And So the man met with his, his doctor, his family doctor, and they ran some tests. They took some blood tests and, and uh, waited for the results. says, you know, we'll, we'll get back to you. Uh, I've got a sense something might Reveal itself through the blood test. And so they they went home, still no answers, waited a few days, and the phone call came. And it was the doctor's office, and and it it wasn't the answer they were waiting for. It actually, they they said, uh, the doctor would actually like to see you in person rather than share the results over the phone. That's not what you want to hear, is it? And, And so, The husband and wife decided they would go together to face this news. Uh, Together, they were in the waiting room, and um, she had to go to the restroom. And so she stepped out for a moment while they called the man's name into the patient room. And uh, as he was called back, she's in the restroom. She comes out, realizes her husband's not there, and they tell her he's down the hall. And as she's making her way uh, to the patient room to be with her husband as they're waiting to see the doctor. She bumps into the doctor in the hallway, and she says, doctor, doctor, I, I, I'm just so afraid. We're, we just don't know what you're going to tell us today, and, and he says, well, here's the thing. He said, um, we've, we've diagnosed a form of anemia, so he's got a blood disorder, and, and and it has the potential to be fatal if not treated, but it's it's treatable, and he said, oh, good, so it's treatable. He says, yeah. He says, here's the thing. He's really, as part of that treatment, he's going to need to be really free from any stress in his life, and he's going to really need you to, to take care of a lot of things at home, really anything that he could do for himself. He's, he's going to need you to take care of. And, 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 in fact, to keep his blood circulating, part of uh, the treatment I'm going to re- recommend is a full-body massage every night before bedtime um, it's also going to be critical, because it's an immune disorder as well, that the house be kept spotless and clean at all times. You just, you've got to keep a, a germ-free environment, and, and, uh, but it's very treatable, and with some of this and, and some of the other things we'll prescribe, he's going to be just fine. And, and she, she said, okay. And he says, well, do you, do you want to tell him, or, or should I? And, and she said, "You know, I'll tell him, and, and with that, she made her way down the hallway, and Went inside the door, closed the door, and uh, and he saw her. And he says, "Did you hear from the doctor already?" She said, "I did." And with tears in her eyes, she announced to him, "Honey, you're gonna die." (laughs) You know, I, I share that because make no mistake about it. Unless something happens, unless something is done. You're going to die. And, and, and unless something is done, unless something happens, I'm going to die. Because the reality is, something needs to be done. Because our, uh, our verdict, what's on our lives right now, based on what we have done, and based on who we are, and what we've become, and what we've thought, and what's motivated us, you know what, what's happened is, we have a disorder disorder. <laughs> And it's one we've fully embraced. And that verdict has come down. Our diagnosis is death. Scripture says that the wages or the result of sin is death. And it's more than a blood disorder. It's a heart problem. It's an issue in our lives that plagues everything we do. You're like, hey, what are you saying, Pastor? That, that's offensive to me. I, I'm a good person. I, I do a lot of good things for society. I'm better than most. Oh, really? Is that how it works? Is God grading on a curve when it comes to justice? When Jesus says kind of things like if you simply think angry thoughts toward another, you've committed murder. Or if you even think lustful thoughts in your mind, you've created and committed adultery. When God says it really is a heart problem, this sin thing. Not just actions or failure to act, but even our motivations and our thoughts. And according to God's justice, we are deserving of condemnation and death. Unless something is done, we're going to die. You know, it's one of the the most famous conversations in all of Scripture. It happens in in John chapter 3. We're we're told that a man by the name of Nicodemus, under the cover of darkness, comes to visit Jesus. And uh, Nicodemus was part of the the famous ruling council of Pharisees called the Sanhedrin. He uh, had... Had quite a, uh, you know, a, a, quite a pedigree, as it were, as a leader and a religious leader, and and word was getting out in Jerusalem of this Jesus, this this man who claimed to be God, who was doing just wild things, including cleansing the temple, as we saw last week. He was healing people, and 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 miracles surrounded him, and and word was getting out. Nicodemus was intrigued, and and certainly. There was already some discussion among the religious leaders of who can walk into the temple and overturn tables and disrupt the money changers and some of the temple income that was coming in. He was causing problems. Nicodemus comes under the cover of darkness to visit Jesus, which maybe gives us a clue into how risky this visit was. It had the potential to mess with Nicodemus' reputation if he was talking to someone on the other side. Someone that was already being labeled a heretic by the Pharisees. And yet Nicodemus' words say so much. Jesus, I know you must be of God because of the things you are doing. And with that a conversation begins. Theological in nature but so high on application. Because as that conversation goes on, and many things are exchanged in those moments about being born again, and we're not going to dwell on that as much today, as how Jesus then, without skipping a beat, goes on and, and he says these words. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Now now Nicodemus would have known exactly what Jesus was saying here. I mean, that recalling of of Moses and the children of Israel wandering in the desert and that that terrible moment where again and again God's people were complaining. I mean, i got to kind of side with them a little bit. You can understand. I mean, how many ways can you prepare manna? I mean, you got manna casserole and manna burgers and manna peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And after a while, they were just tired of manna. They wanted to have something else. Maybe the only reason we can side with them is we're good at complaining about what God provides too, aren't we? And finally, God had had enough. He's like, don't you get it? Don't you realize how I've blessed you, how I've freed you from the bondage of slavery, how I've given you the promise of the promised land, and yes, you are wandering. Yet do you not hear my promise in my word? I will fulfill it in due time. And yet they continued to rebel. They continued to belly ache and complain. They continued to just have eyes that were covered over by sin and doubt. And eyes that were filled in hearts that just were filled with condemnation when it came to what they felt about God. And that's when God has had enough. And in this episode we see that as those people wandering the desert... God releases snakes. It's really one of these bizarre moments, and and yet very historic in the life of God's people. Snakes, vipers that, that were poisonous. God releases them in the camp. He'd had enough. He said, fine, have it your way. If you want to do it on your own terms, well, then get what you deserve. And God releases these snakes, and they start to bite the people, and they're dying of the venomous, poisonous snakes. You might say, what kind of God does that? Well, a God who is just. A God who says enough is enough. If you want to have a a way apart from me, well, this is what it looks like. It's filled with sin and death and brokenness and despair. And yet, in the midst of that, God does something. He responds and tells Moses... Take a, make a, a bronze snake, put it on a pole, and lift it up before the people. And I tell you, Moses, whoever looks to that pole, whoever looks up and lifts their eyes will be healed. And you got to think, Moses had to say, well, come on, that seems silly. You're giving that as the antidote? That's what you're going to do, God? And, and the crazy thing is, is it works. That day, those who refused to look on that snake on that pole... They died of their condition. Yet those who simply looked with faith to what God had provided that day were rescued and saved and healed. Interesting Jesus brings that up here. As he talks to Nicodemus, he tells a glimpse of that story, but as it often is in the Old Testament, these great events of the Old Testament were only the beginnings pointing to something greater, that God would do when the time was right. And Jesus says that time is right. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness. So the son of man. Referring to himself. Must be lifted up. That everyone who believes. May have eternal life in him. Going from condemnation. To forgiveness and life. and healing. And then those words. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Oh, the words. I love what Max Lucado says about these words and their healing effect on the life of us as people. Uh, he says this in a 26-word parade of hope, he says of John three sixteen, Beginning with God, ending with life, and urging us To do the same. Brief enough to walk right on a napkin or memorize in a moment, yet solid enough to weather 2,000 years of storms and questions. If you know nothing of the Bible, start here. If you know everything in the Bible, return here. We all need the reminder. You hear that? He's not saying you know everything. Nobody knows everything. But if you think you know everything, return here because we all need that reminder. For the heart of the human problem is the heart of the human. And God's treatment is prescribed in John 3, 16. Unless someone does something, we're going to die. And praise be to our God, God, he's done something. God enters into this broken, fallen world. He sends his one and only son. His son set apart, unique. He's God in the flesh. God is willing to pay the ultimate price to be the antidote. As he has lifted up to be that hope for the world. And, and, and the thing is, is, God doesn't tell you to get your life together or try to do better and white-knuckle your way through being better as people. No, it doesn't work that way. Simply we lift our eyes and look to a, a promise from God. And through the eyes of faith as his spirit works that faith in our lives and calls us as his people, he works healing in our lives. Rather than condemnation, he replaces it with life, forgiveness and peace and joy for the future, all by way of what he is willing to do. There's a family that was involved in a very serious car accident. Mom was in the, in the hospital in two Little sons, the oldest, eight years old. His name's Michael. The younger, uh, four years of old, four years of age. Uh, his name's Joey. And and as both of them were in the hospital, Michael was going to do just fine. He had just minor scrapes and abrasions. But his younger brother was in pretty rough shape. And uh, the dad, who was not in the car, came to the hospital and was meeting with the doctors and just overwhelmed by what was happening. And it, it was revealed that his youngest son, Joey needed a, a blood transfusion, and, and the hospital was out of this rare blood that uh, his son needed. And, and at that, he said, "But your older son has that blood, and, and we, we, we just need some, if, if it's possible. And would you be willing to talk to your, your eight-year-old son ask if he's willing?" And father said, of course." And, and he sat down with his eight-year-old son and said, "Your, your brother needs some of your blood." to survive it's really important and would you be willing to do that for your little brother and and michael thought about it for a little bit he says yeah dad i'll I'll do that and uh, that's when they they came in they uh, you know what little kid what adult likes needles they hooked him up and and started to draw the blood and after some time they then removed the needle and they they left with the equipment and there as uh, father continued to hold the hand of his son was there at his bedside That's when he started to fill up with tears. As he looked at his dad and he said, Dad, now when do I die? When do I die, Dad? How long will it be till I die? And it was in that moment his dad realized his son Michael thought he was actually giving up his life, giving all of his blood to his little brother. What an incredibly beautiful sacrifice, yet thankfully that's not what he was being asked to do, but it is what your older brother was willing to do for you, a God who was willing to lay down his life to be the ultimate sacrifice for the problem of sin and death in our lives. He was willing to do something about that, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. May we relish that life today. May we celebrate that life, the blood that was shed that gives life, the condemnation as Paul would say it in Romans 8. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Our Savior Jesus was willing to die that we might live. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Thank you for being the answer. Thank you for doing something about our dilemma of death. We are people in need of saving. We are people in need of healing. And you are a God who enters into this world not to to solve a blood disorder in our lives, but rather a heart disorder. Our hearts are so often far from you. And we are people in and of ourselves and our own actions and In attempts at being good, Lord, we fall short. And according to justice, we deserve nothing but condemnation. But you are the antidote to that, Jesus. You bring healing through your presence and through a Savior, an older brother who lays down his life for us. Lord Jesus, in these days of Lent, may we take that in and may we celebrate that. May our minds and hearts be filled with healing and hope in you. It's in Jesus' name we praise you. Amen.